Hello and welcome to Athlete to Adult, a podcast where we guide you through the transition from athlete to adult by talking to those that have lived it. I'm your host, Danielle Day. Thanks for joining us. Today we are talking to Kelly Fertel. Kelly grew up in South Florida, swam at the University of Florida, where she graduated in 2020 with a degree in telecommunications news. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Hello, Danielle Day. I love the last name change. <laughs> I'm here so, for it. Kelly, why don't we start by you just giving a quick overview of your back, your athletic background? Um, so I've been like in athletics my whole life. My both of my my mom was a, a skier. My dad played football. Um, so I always had like that athletic background in terms of I was always in sports, you know, um, always watching ESPN always on that grind. Um, and I actually played tennis very seriously. So I thought I was going to do tennis forever. I was like, perfect. I was like, maybe I'll go pro, you know? Um, but I got an injury. I got told that swimming would be really good physical therapy for, it was my Achilles tendon. So I like showed up because my friend was on a swim team. And so, you know, I was like, oh, yay, we can swim together. And I think I expected it to be more like playful swimming. Um, and then the, the coach was like, oh, can you do this? And then I was like, I don't know. And he had me kind of like look over at the other kids. And then I watched them and I was like, OK, I think I can do that. And then I just like did it. And he was like, OK. Um, and then I don't know, the rest is kind of history. He kind of had me. He was like, come every day and then go to a meet. And after that meet, if you want to quit, you can quit. Yeah. And so I, I went to the meet and at the time they called it like junior Olympic cuts. I think it's called flags now. Like they changed the name oh. rightfully. So it's very <laughs> misleading. And I was like, I'm so good at this <laughs> because the name just sounded really important. So I was like, whoa, I'm so good. Um, so that's how I ended up sticking with it. Did you ever go back to tennis? For fun. Mm, okay. So for fun, I still, I still do it. Um, whenever I go home, my mom still plays a lot. So I play with my mom and my brother whenever I go home. Um, I've been trying to get more into it now because I have time. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think it's one of those like swimming. It's like a lifelong sport Yeah. or like golf. I feel like those are like the sports that you'll keep doing forever. Yeah. So, so yeah, I still kind of dabble. So how did you end up, how old were you when you made that transition from tennis to swimming? I started swimming when I was like 11 or 12. So what grade is that? Maybe like uh, middle school? Middle, middle school. So yeah. you were like pretty late. Yes, I was late in the terms Compared of the swimming, like swimming world. world. Yes, yeah. I was late in the swim world. Cause then all these kids were like, I've been swimming since I was three. And I'm like, I don't know what butterfly is, but I, <laughs> what are we going to do about it? So then you swam for a couple of years and I assume you ended up in not too long after that, going through the recruiting process. Yeah. College. Um, I did. So I went to, I ended up transferring while I was in high school. Um, so for my junior year, I transferred to a private school called Gulliver Prep. And that's where uh, Jeff Popel was coincidentally um, my coach. And I trained under him and 
I mean, I think to this day it was the best move I could have done. I think in academics, um, I became a, a more diligent student. It taught me, it's just like a very different structure. I feel like in the, like the public school system, at least in Miami from like the public school system to the private school system, especially with one that has really good athletics. So they do a really good job of balancing it all out. So um, I think that was my, my first real experience of maybe being like kind of a student athlete because there was a big emphasis on both. Um, and then, yeah, kind of immediately after you kind of just start the recruiting process. And I was very on that. Like, I think about it now and I'm like, oh, good thing. Like, good thing I had coach Jeff. Cause I was like, if I had to like do that with someone else, there's no chance I know what I'm doing. I had, I also had no idea. I think yeah. <clears throat> I ended up in the place that I was supposed to be and it was the best place for me, but it was, you know, I, at the time I was being as diligent as I could, but I didn't know what conferences were. I didn't know like the difference in divisions. I I was, it was the blind leading the blind and it worked yes. out well, but, and I feel like the same probably for you. Um, so we met through our time, I guess, overlapped one year at University of Florida. Well, I did. And I knew your sister school. before you. Oh yeah, that is that that is true. So the swimming world is quite is quite small. It's small, but you're big time girl. So I knew who you were. <laughs> so what have you? So you graduated from University of Florida in 2020 during yeah. The pandemic, so I took right? my fifth year. Yeah. Okay. What have you been doing since then? Well, I've done a lot since then. Um, I've obviously had a transition to make. I think the right after I finished school was obviously not on my own terms. It was the, when COVID happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think everything was very, um, not necessarily last minute, but I kind of decided out of nowhere, okay, I'll do ISL. I got a call to be on Cali Condors. And then oh yeah, I was like, yeah, okay. So I did the little professional swimming for a little bit. Um, and then just like life got in the way, a little bit of health issues that I'm sure we're going to get into soon. Um, and then ever since that, I just kind of, I applied to grad school here at UF um, for sports management and I've been doing school and it's very, very different as I'm sure, you know, like the, even like going to grad school from undergrad is just yeah. so different. And I, I thought that staying in the same place would help it not be so different, <laughs> but I was definitely wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you, so you went to, you did one season of ISL in 2020. So you were in the Budapest bubble yes. version of ISL. Yeah, it was something. Did you... Was it what you expected? Did you learn anything about professional athletes or learn anything about yourself that you kind of use carrying forward? Oh, I, I think that experience, I mean, obviously I have a lot of other experiences that have taught me so much, but I think that was, and I'm happy it was my last experience. I mean, like at first I was, I obviously wanted it to be trials, but I mean, I learned a lot in terms of when I just came to regularly swimming, um, for example, I spent a good amount of time with, um, Haley Flickinger and Melanie Margalis and Allison Schmidt. Those were like the people that I, I hung out with and like Lily, just cause I kind of within all of them, I trained with them a little bit, but they, I think they were able to teach me so much about 
not swimming, which was, I think, very interesting. Yeah. Um, Because you would think you're with these people. Tell me everything, you know, tell me the secrets. Um, But the secrets were everything but swimming. Yeah, there's no secret sauce. It's like, oh, you do this one thing and then you become an Olympian or a medalist. Yeah. Or or I was expecting like a, like wisdom of swimming. I don't even know what I was expecting, but then I, I quickly realized, I was like, okay everything correlates back to just being a person and, mm-hmm. and being um, a part of society and making decisions. And so um, I was able to learn from the best athletes in the world, but in my opinion, like the best people in the world too. I love that. Yeah. What do you think has been the most challenging part of your life after sports? It's not necessarily time management, but I think if there's any college athletes listening, our life is controlled Uh every second of the day. We are on a schedule. If we have a time for a 15 minute nap, girl, we are taking the 15 minute nap. (laughs) Even if it's a five minute nap, like you take it, you know? And if you have half an hour between practice or between like school and practice, that half an hour you are doing work or you're like just trying to do as much as you can during the day. And so, you know, in my mind, I'm done swimming. I'm in school, grad school. I I took like a full-time student is like less course load than undergrad, but obviously harder classes and whatnot. So um, I assumed I'd have all this time to, I'm like, okay, by four hours of swimming a day and my hour of weights, um, that's like what, five hours out of, out of your day? And like, I have so much time to do things. I can wake up maybe at like eight instead of five. I can um, not rush, but not being an athlete made school harder for me. I, I totally agree with that. We yeah. spent so much of our life with everything planned out that, like you said, we were so used to packing every single moment with the most productivity that we could when you transition, at least for me going to say, kind of sounds like the same thing, going to school after you're not no longer an athlete in the formal sense of the word, you have more free time, but it almost makes it harder to be productive and harder to get stuff done because you can always push push it to later yeah and it's I think it's one of those things too I think I've and I was talking about this with my um athletic academic advisor for undergrad because again I'm still at UF so I still you know I see everyone and we were talking about like all of this stuff because we you know some undergrads were in there and and I was like no guys school is really hard when you're not swimming like trust me um and I his name is Tim and Tim was we were talking about how as athletes, like we thrive under like, not necessarily, I mean, pressure, obviously some like, I mean, I can, I can for one say for me, I never handled that quite well, but in terms of being on a time crunch and getting things done, we're so good at that, that I like, and I don't even do it on purpose, but my work will stack up. And then all of a sudden I'm at the end and it's crank time. Like I can grind like we're trained to grind. Yes. We can grind all day, every day, like, you know, and it's not a problem. And so when it's not a grind, it's hard for me to really be dedicated to getting it done. So then I'll 
So it's not necessarily an intentional procrastination, but it's like, I, I like the, it's like competitive. Can I get it done in this amount of time? <laughs> yeah. And of yeah. course you're like, yeah, I can. Yeah. So that, that, I guess, lack of forced productivity is one of the more difficult parts. What do you think you've done well in this, uh, you know, new adventure as a student without athletics? It was a rocky start, Danielle. It was a rocky start. Um, huh. I think really utilizing the people that are close to me. I think a lot of the times, again, I think it's just a pride thing. Like, yeah, you go to your teammates for things, you go to your coaches and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, when you don't have the athletics, like you're used to going to practice and like, oh, guys, I had this and this happen. And it, it was your outlet to just be like, this sucks. Or like, or this teacher today, oh, not feeling it. Yeah. Um, and so now I just have to rely more on, I mean, like obviously I had to make new friends or well, no, obviously, I mean, I could have, I'm still friends with the people I was, but more non-athlete friends yeah. and grad school people. And it's a different um, perspective and a different vibe when you're getting feedback from them rather than the regular feedback you'd get from it's like it's almost not that it's scripted but you know what they're kind of gonna say like when yeah. it's your teammates and coaches and so I've I've found that just keeping close to the people who are very close to me like they just keep me in line that's good and it sounds like you have done well to like keep a community around you that is supporting you through the rest of your life. Cause I feel like one part that part of that transition out of organized athletics is for a lot of people is losing the community, losing their social group. And we're maybe not so good at um, mm -hmm. creating the group and then utilizing them on a regular basis. It's, it's harder than what people think. Yeah, because it's like, and even then, like I'm going to the same school that I did undergrad in. And at the same time, that's almost a little bit harder because you're so attached to the old lifestyle and you're trying to separate yourself. But at the same time, like I'm really lucky that I'm able to still use Hawkins, which is our student athlete center. They let me go up there and study. Um, I can awesome. use their computers and stuff. And so I'm obviously super grateful for that, but at the same time, it kind of keeps those, the worlds a little bit together. And sometimes I don't like it because I'm obviously trying to sep not necessarily forget about it and separate it, but I'm definitely trying to find myself and establish myself outside of athletics. So definitely like being in the same place is a little bit difficult because you see the same people and yeah, well, and it's your comfort zone. Yeah. Like the people are, are comfortable. The pool is comfortable. The life you lived was comfortable. And now I think you will be better for creating a little bit of that separation and, and finding your identity outside of that comfort zone. But when yeah. you're so when you're so close, it's easy to just pop back in and yeah, the like kind of take that blurry. Breath. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know that they accept you for who you are. You don't have to try and like kind of be on your tippy toes, like trying to 
put your best foot forward. Yeah. And it, and it's also like, and by all means, like I, I love the team and, and obviously like, like me and my class, like we recruited all of them, but it's like, they'll, they'll still come to me for advice, which is like great you know and it still makes me feel somewhat relevant and like somewhat important I'm like yeah, like I'm gonna be very nice um but I love being able you know obviously one of the perks of staying here is that I'm able to help and see these and mind you I'm sounding like I'm old and I realize I'm not but you get to see this new generation of swimmers and these high schoolers that you recruited that were super sweet yeah. And then you see them really blossom into these personalities. Mm-hmm. Like there's some girls I'm like, you didn't talk when I recruited you or when you <laughs> came here and now they're super talkative and outgoing. And I think that's one of the cooler of me staying in Gainesville. I've, I've really been able to see the transition in other people. I've kind of seen them evolve, which is super cool. I totally, we have a little bit different experiences because I went to a different school to try and find my own identity and separate myself, yet I still made my way back to swimming by coaching club swimming and then ending up being involved with you all as a volunteer assistant during law school. So that was, it was wonderful, but it's just interesting kind of regardless I think if it's meant, if you're meant to still be in that swimming or athletics world, you can find your space while still being mm-hmm. able to find your identity outside. Yes. But use your experience to help people hopefully navigate their athletic experience better than you navigated your own based on yeah. what you learned. A hundred percent. So I think lately in the last couple of years, everyone would agree that athletes are becoming more comfortable, the media is becoming more comfortable talking about mental health issues and disordered eating in sports at all levels with, you know, we've seen Simone Biles take action at the Olympics when she felt her physical and physical health was not in a place where she could safely compete. Naomi Osaka has taken her own action mental health wise um, related to her own issues. Can you talk about your experience with mental health issues as you were an athlete at all different levels and just your experience and how you dealt with it and the lessons that you learned from those experiences? I didn't realize how simply uneducated I was. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, it was disgusting how, how just not even naive, but just unaware and uneducated and it's Mm -hmm. nothing intentional, you know? And I think as society, you know, now I feel like the kids that are 10, you know, with the conversations that we're having, they're going to have a completely different experience. Like they're being educated. Yeah, I agree. And so I think that was a lot of it for me was, I don't know, like we're actually a sports sociology class and it really helped me put things into perspective, but we are, we're taught to, it's like, just go. You're injured. All right, let's just get this done. Let's just win. Let's do this. And so I think it gets difficult to listen to your inner voice mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh, maybe something's wrong or, cause then it makes you feel that, oh, there's something wrong. There shouldn't be anything wrong because everyone else is doing fine. So I need to do fine. Yeah. It's just, 
it's a really weird concept. And, and I think, you know, throughout my experience, we all, again, I think it happens on every team. We have teammates that also go through their mental health journeys. And, um, one of our, one of my close friends, one of my teammates went through, um, her own mental health struggles. And I think through that, even I, I was still naive, honestly, on, um, I guess like the true impact it has, but the way it comes about, you know, I think it's shown in so many different ways and it doesn't look the same on everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's, you assume you're fine because you don't see your exact situation being replicated or represented, you know? And so I think little by little, just, and I, I think most athletes can relate to this or, you know, swimming, running, rowing gymnastics in most sports it makes logical sense that if you I mean okay now now it doesn't but at the time you lose weight so you're lighter which means you move faster in the water because there's less of you to pull Uh in reality that makes perfect sense like it just logically less of you you move faster yeah um and yeah we we, and mind you we have like really good resources but you can only use those resources if you understand yeah we have all these resources and I mean I, I can't talk for all the other schools but I mean for me you know visiting places or hearing from other people like obviously us athletes have these amazing resources and it's not that we don't want to use them. I just think it's an education thing. Like you don't, you don't really realize again, like if you're never put in that position and you don't know, you're not going to know, oh, I should use this resource because you think that you don't need that resource. Cause you don't look like maybe someone in your mind that dealt with something mental health. You're like, oh, well, it doesn't look like that. So that means I'm fine. Uh And I think that was in terms of like, you know, disordered eating. And then I ended up developing an eating disorder. That's kind of the same thing. I assumed, again, when you think of an eating disorder, everyone thinks of bones. Like, let's just be honest. Like if we're calling it how it is, you think eating disorder and you think super frail, like ribs showing, you just think like this horrible, I mean, you just think of this frightening image of yeah. a specific, a, a specific photo that it, that, that comes it into your mind when you think of it most of the time. Yeah. Especially with females. Yes. And so uh, again, me not knowing, I'm like, if I don't look like that, I don't have a problem. But at the same time, when you're gradually making these changes, whether it's with diet culture or even I can't even think the amount of times I'm like, okay, my race weight is this and I'm this right now. So I need to lose this much weight. So I'm at my race weight. So I swim super fast. Mm. Like how many times, like I can tell you, I've, I mean, obviously we know now I had a problem, but (laughs) you know, it's one of those things where we come so, we become so fixated on things that reality don't make a difference. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I've learned that yeah, I mean, it's a bell curve. I, yeah, you you weigh less, you swim faster. 
at what cost soon you're miserable you're crying every day you don't know what's going on you don't feel like yourself and then you crash and burn Mm -hmm. and then what do you do once you're there you don't know what to do because again you're you're just like it's almost like like I just think back and it's just crazy to think that I genuinely didn't think that like there was anything wrong with me or that because it's so normalized you know it's like this is my race weight or I swim this fast and I weighed myself at this time it's just just the focus is there on that but I've learned it doesn't have to be like I mean and I talked about it a good amount with who was I talking to I think I was talking to um Schmitty um at ISL um because there was just I, and obviously she's really vocal about mental health and stuff and so her and I had a lot of conversations and um we became so so close um I like confided in her with everything because there was just one day with it was like a buffet style and that was just a little bit overwhelming for me um realistically health-wise probably should have not gone on that trip but it's okay um and so I leaned on her a lot and and I think just through that I was I was able to like either come to terms with some things and and learn the ropes from different perspectives mm-hmm. and they were just able to kind of like validate my feelings as actual you know like they were in the same well I'm no Olympian but in a similar situation and then you're able to hear it you're like oh, okay so this isn't crazy that I thought that, mm-hmm. you know? How did you approach, once you realized that there was, that you were having an issue, how did you approach it and learn from it? And is that an ongoing process you're still going through now? Talk about coming kind of, whether you are on the other side or, or moving mm-hmm. through the issue after you were able to get that education and kind of realized what was going on. You kind of think back on, your life or maybe things that happen and you're like, okay, that makes sense that I did this. And so I had like an incident with a, with an old coach, like my first ever coach, um, about weight. But again, I was in middle school, so I didn't think much of it. Like you're still eating your mom's food that she cooks. Like you're still, so yeah, you feel bad about it. And I'm like, oh man, he, he said, you know, like, oh my God, I have to lose weight. But at the end of the day, you're in middle school, you're not cooking your own dinner and doing your thing. Like whatever your mom gives yeah. you when you get home, like that's what you're eating, girl. Like <laughs> leave it over, you're gonna have it the next night for dinner. Yeah. So in terms of me being able to make adjustments, it was I just didn't do it. Then I got to college. Oh well now. When I switched high schools, like, girl, the private school food is different. It's good. Um, and so I just ate so much which is fine I just again in high school you're not really educated on just like nutrients in general and like what you need what you don't and I was just eating like fried chicken every day or like it's just certain things that obviously in moderation are super great but are you properly like it's proper fuel if if Mm -hmm. you just eat fried chicken all the time like you know it's just like simple that's not about that doesn't lead to a balanced diet yeah, exactly. And so obviously my body started changing and I was like, okay, God do something about it now. Um, and I got recruited, went to college and 
obviously Florida is known for it being like an elite program, just like Kentucky and all the other great schools, you know? Um, but there's definitely, I feel like when you're on the outside, there's a look you have, not that you have to have, but let's take the top 10 best swimmers in the world right now. Okay. Yeah. They look different, but in my mind and in most people's mind, they look elite. You thought that there was a way that you had to look to be fast. Yeah. And like, for some reason I was like, because I don't, and mind you, I was very aware that not everyone looks the same in terms of build, but I created this thing in my mind that like, I don't look elite. If you look at me, you're not like, "Mm, that's an athlete, you know, but for some people, they obviously have just genetics. Uh Look at some people, you know, and like, I mean, perfect example. I'm not here to like comment on people's bodies, but Caleb Dressel has been super consistent, has gained a lot of muscle is a powerhouse. Like you look at him and you're like, God, that's an elite athlete. Like, look, look at that kid, you know? And, and I came in with a really great recruiting class. And for some reason I, I was like, I need to fit in. So I need to like look elite. And with a lot of changes that come with college, I lost a lot of weight at the beginning. So I just picked up on behaviors and like, really, I, I was, I can't say I was fine because we're here, but again, it just comes with being uneducated on it. And I just went about my life and, and I always put others first. So it was really easy for me to not deal with my own problems mm-hmm. because I'd much rather help someone else than me help myself. Um, and so it's just, I mean, every year I just got a little bit worse. I like, so every time I would just kind of watch my diet a little bit more and then I'd swim faster. So I was like, okay, like a little bit more. I slam faster. Okay. A little bit more, you know, and it's almost like that piece of, and again, I'm sorry, I'm relating so much, so many things to food. It's a coincidence, but it's like, you know, you, you gotta just like one bite at a time. Like you just gotta mm-hmm. like, you know, you just gotta chill for a second. How are you dealing with it now? Now that you're out of that athletic world, you mm-hmm. aren't in a bathing suit in front of people every yes. day of your life. What lessons have you learned? What like practical tips do you use now to um, educate yourself, educate others and and try to keep yourself in a healthy and sustainable lifestyle? Um, Well, first things first, disclaimer, it's not as easy as what you think. I ended up spending this last summer because my eating disorder ended up developing to a point where like I just, I needed a higher level of help. Um, I was resistant to it, but I'm to this day, like, that's the reason why I'm able to like be here in a clear state of mind. I spent, not that I counted, um, 86 days, anywhere from 84 to 87. (laughs) I kind of lost count at one point, but I spent all that time in treatment and I went thankfully to this, it's called the victory program. And it's in St. Louis through McCallum place. And um, it's for elite level athletes, like this special program. And so I was able to be with, um, some of the best college athletes in different sports and somehow we were all there. Yeah. You know, and I think that was one of the first times that I was like, dang, like there's, there's something up, 
you know, and it's, and it's the only place in the country that has like a special athletic like program, which I'm surprised there's also only one, Mm -hmm. but, and again, I think with time, it's not going to be the only one, but through that whole experience, that's where I became educated. And I wish it didn't have to take that for me to become educated. But at that point, I really had to sit down and, and say, okay, like, this is my problem. I need to just find myself, figure myself out. And, um, like, I don't, I just put all my worth in swimming and I didn't think I did. Cause I was like genuinely ready to be done. I thought, and then obviously with things not ending on my own terms and eating disorders go back to wanting to control things. So I think the ability of, again, we go back to your life as being, if it's not what you want, you want to control that. Like you need to change something. And so for me, that's what, that's what I focused on. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was, it was great. And then my, my senior year, just kind of, unfortunately, like you can just tell something was up. I was super inconsistent. Um, I mean, you were there my senior year, you were there my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the ball of stress half the time. I just wasn't in a clear headspace, honestly, you know, yeah. and I think I was able to, thankfully my, my team doctor, her and I have a really great relationship. And so she was like the person that she was like, Kelly, I know you're anxious. Like we need to figure it out. And then I was like, I think I get anxious around food. <laughs> and so I'm lucky that I, she was a swimmer, so she got it. So I think she was able to kind of be like, okay, what's really going on. And to this day, Dr. E literally, like I owe her everything. Cause if it wasn't for her, like there's no way I would have gotten the help I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, which means the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you today about that in itself is like insane to me just because of how uneducated I was at the beginning and how naive I was. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your story. I think that you're, you know, as you've talked about, you're definitely not the only one, but it's just becoming more and more popular recently to talk about it and become educated on the causes and the symptoms and the signs and what you can do to help yourself or help others near you deal with um, and hopefully overcome these kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. We're going to transition into some quick questions here at the end. All right, I'm ready. We'll start with one piece of advice you would give uh, based on the lessons that you've learned in your transition to the real world. Looking back on my experience, it wasn't worth it. (laughs) You know, I think every year, yeah, I got faster, but every year it came at an expense and it became more. And so at the end of the day, it, it, it wasn't worth it. I ended up going to treatment for, I missed graduation. I like my, my college graduation. Um, I really did m- m- like mess around with my friendships, with my trust in people. Like at the end of the day, it's, it's not worth, it's just not worth it, you know? And so just making sure like you're talking about this, I hope someone else is like, okay, like maybe I kind of relate, like it isn't worth it because it's genuinely not <laughs> like yeah. at the end of the day, like, I mean, even with you, like, you know, 
I can, I can sit here and I mean, I know that like you're a national champion and I'm like, oh my God, it's Danielle. But at the end of the day, I'm like, oh my God, she went to law school. She's out here killing it. And I, and now whenever I, I talk about you, which like, I don't talk about you often. I don't want anything I'm over here talking about you, but if it is in reference to you or like your sister, when you really talk about it, I only talk about law school and out. Yeah. It's interesting how, when I refer back to you, it's not about swimming. Yeah. You're, it, it's so hard when you're in swimming, when it seems like it can, it can seem like that's your entire world and your entire worth when in reality it's your person, the impact mm-hmm. you have on the world and the people around you and other Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Um, people so. always remember how you made them feel. Yeah, there you go. What do you do to refill your tank? Um, honestly, just taking a step back, even whether it be school, whether it be taking a half day to get your nails done for any girls that are listening. For any guys, go to the barbershop, get your beard trimmed up, you know, get that clean fade going. Um, and I, I've been, I've become, I've always been religious, but I've definitely become, I think through this whole process, a little bit more in tuned and focused on that. So taking a, a little bit of your time every, every night, because my roommate does it. So I've gotten used to it. Like every morning we wake up, we stretch, and then we do some like prayer journaling. So that honestly is just a really good, like, let's start off the day on a good note. And so, and I make my bed, make your bed every morning. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good tip. What is your favorite book? Um, okay. It's a tie between Fahrenheit 451 and the gifts of imperfections by Brene Brown. Oh, those sound like different, but good. They're very different, very different, but Last one. Who is one other person we should have on the podcast? Okay. You're not going to like this answer, but I'm going for it. I really think we need to interview you. Oh, that's a hot take. <laughs> no, but listen, listen, I think, cause I, you know, you told me more or less what questions I'd, you'd be asking me. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, like I can, I can name you know, I think it'd be cool to hear from whether it be Savannah, your sister, um, whether it be like Melanie Margalis or, or any of the, you know, Caleb, all these people, but obviously they're still in the swim world. And I think you have provided at least me with such a good example of that transition. And so I think your, your outlook and, and the way you did it even though maybe you don't think it was as smooth as what it was. I think the girls in my class, especially because we were the closest with you, I was able to see someone continue their joy. And, and I'm sure you went through your, everyone goes through that like bad part, but you just set such a good example, at least for me and the girls in my class. And I was like, okay, like I want to be like Danielle when I'm done, like, you know? And so I think it would be really, really cool for you to be interviewed on your own podcast, because I think your insight now that you're, you did the whole grad school thing. And now you're, you're, you're a real, real person. Like you're married, you have your stuff together. And so I think it's an even, it broadens your perspective 10 times more. And so I really think we should interview you. Well, you're making me blush. We might have to have to work that in in some time here in the next year. I'm much better at interviewing people than I am answering questions. Well, you've done a wonderful job. So 
Thank you so much for joining the podcast and for sharing your story. Um, I have truly enjoyed it and learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thanks for listening to Athlete to Adult. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support us, subscribe to the podcast or leave a rating and review. To catch the latest from us, check out our website or follow us on Instagram at Athlete to Adult. See you next time.